Welcome to Church Hurts and the good, the bad, and the ugly about church, religion, and spirituality with a dash of recovery thrown in. If you've ever had questions about the church, maybe a bit jaded in your attitude toward religion, well, you've come to the right place. Our host, he was an honors philosophy student, ordained a Presbyterian minister, planted three churches, taught at a prestigious university, but now, now he's just an aging curmudgeon who never quits asking the question why. The host of Church Hurts and Dr. John Bass. Of all the tales of redemption one could tell at Christmas time, there is none quite like Charles Dickens' novella written in 1843 entitled A Christmas Carol. Four spirits visit the classic character Ebenezer Scrooge in his fitful sleep, causing insight and discontent, only to be resolved by a higher power working his magic in another human soul at the celebration of the birth of a baby. Speaking of nightmares, how are yours doing these days? Isn't it interesting how fascinated we can get with dreams, pondering their significance, wondering if they really do have meaning for us in real life, and even seeking advice from those who claim to have some expertise in the subject. Interestingly, there is no shortage of biblical references about dreams and even prophetic significance in some. Consider for a moment the most significant component of dreams and nightmares. What is it? You know, we are sleeping. We wake up in a sweat or laughing or smiling, but we wake up, we hope. That's dreams. There are times we refer to something in real life as being dreamlike or nightmarish, and when it gets there and the lines begin to blur, it gets scary. I must admit that there's been a component of that in recent days during the pandemic. It all seems somewhat surreal from the history books or a science fiction novel. We keep wondering when we'll wake up, or at least wish it was just a nightmare from which we could wake. What's your worst nightmare? Are you trying to scream and nothing comes out? Do you wake up covered in sweat? What if you discovered it wasn't a dream and you weren't waking up and it just kept going? Today, we have the unique privilege of having an illustrious guest who knows a thing or two about nightmares, probably worse nightmares than you've ever had, and with good cause. His name is Dave Stevens. Some just call him Cowboy, and I want to jump in in the middle of his nightmare. Welcome, Dave, to Church Hurts End. Hello, Dr. Bash. Good to be here. In a minute, we'll find out how you got there. But I want to dive into your nightmare, Dave. You were lying in a hospital bed, unable to move or communicate in any way. Tell me what that feels like. Well, it certainly was uh, overwhelming, to say the least. Um, and I think the tough thing about it is, as you mentioned, nightmares, when you're in that state, you almost get into a trauma state and uh, your nightmares become very, very real to where you don't know the difference between uh, what is a dream or what is my reality because they both are horrific. Mm, but you, 
So you're lying in the bed. You, you can hear and perceive around you somewhat, but you can't move or speak, right? Correct. Yeah. Um, and so you don't know whether who these voices are. Uh, ever so often you may hear one that you recognize, um, you, you, uh, but you don't know for sure who it is, um, or then you may see someone, but you can't necessarily make out their voices very clearly. Um, and then you go back perhaps to your memory of a nightmare, which is even crazier about trying to uh, just end it in your nightmare. Um, because what you're feeling does not feel real. It doesn't feel human. So you're able to, you're able to tell you're trying to move hands or anything. You can tell something's not working. You couldn't see either. So now you're really in darkness. Yeah. Um, but then you do, I mean, there's times when you come out of it and you kind of look around, but it makes no sense because your feel when you can't move, it's amazing how all of our senses are connected. When you can't move and you can't speak, uh, everything else is twisted. Mm. I, I think that's don't don't you think that really is like the ultimate nightmare? I mean, really, it's you can't for me not being able to communicate in and of itself um, is just horrifying. Um, not being able to see what's around you, the blackness all of a sudden really gets deep. Okay, obviously, uh, our listeners want to know how in the world does you get yourself into that state? Um, and uh, a few things had changed in your life before all this happened. But tell me, how, how did it happen? How did you get into this situation? Well, I think for uh, uh, it all started probably, uh, we can blame midlife crisis. At the age of 50, my wife, Kathy, uh, said I could throw you a party or I could just give you the permission that you want. And that is uh, you can go get that motorcycle. So uh, I started riding again. My, my father had ridden and I rode dirt bikes a little bit when I was a a youngster, but uh, uh, the women in my life, of course, always seemed to hold the key as to whether or not I could actually have a motorcycle. Um, She gave me that permission. And within less than a month, I was back on a bike. I began riding uh, my birthday that year, I turned 50 in January of that year. In July, um, my wife, Kathy Vancott, had um, she'd gone in for just a typical hysterectomy. It was going to be no big deal at all. Um, within, I'd say, 45 minutes of kissing her goodbye, she went to the operating room. The, um, the aide came out and said, the doctor needs to speak to you. And then when he came out, he said that uh, surprisingly they had found cancer um, and it was stage four and they needed to do some more tests, but uh, they needed to open her up and get it, get everything out of there as soon as they could. That turned out to be a very rare form of cancer called leiomyosarcoma, which had uh, enveloped her fallopian tubes. And because it wasn't designed as a, um, um, an oncology surgery. So there wasn't a oncological surgeon there. Um, it was just kind of by the grace of God that they were going to try to get everything out. So um, I, we went through a year of going to chemo, going up to uh, UCLA. Um, she, we're going to advance a year to 
the following July. So uh, that would be a year and a week from where, um, when she was diagnosed. She was in chemo for the day. I decided to ride to work um, on my bike. I never did that, but I did because I thought it's going to be a beautiful day. My boss was out of town. I could wear my jeans and I could cruise down PCH and it'd be a beautiful day. Stopped in Sunset Beach, called a buddy, see if he'd get his bike out and join me. Wait, 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 let me just stop you for a second. Yeah. Now, Kathy was a marriage later in life. I mean, you yes. guys were really, this was a love affair. I mean, you were still at that warm, fuzzy, just enjoying both of you were really enjoying life, having found each other finally. And then you find out she has cancer and more than just maybe she's going to get better kind of cancer. You're really caring for her, right? Yeah. And it's so it's in that setting. You're you're really spending a lot of energy caring for her. Now you're back to PCH. You're choosing to ride your bike and go ahead. Yeah. I called my buddy Christopher and he said, well, actually I'm having a barbecue. Why don't you come over? And so I headed up Warner um, in Fountain Valley. I was less than a mile from his house. Um, and uh, a young man didn't yield to oncoming traffic. I was going about 40 and he just made a left turn in front of me Uh Stopped my bike immediately. Of course, I went flying about 55 feet and landed on my head. Did you really remember that or did it take a while for that to come back? It did take a while for that to come back. And as you mentioned, uh, in that darkness, you know, that first week or two in the hospital, um, I didn't really understand how I got there. Um, And then it all came back one day, a, a young man was in the room was asking me questions and then all of a sudden it just hit me well wait before you before you go we're going to get back to that let me just go back a little bit again with kathy when when you guys were dating and when you got married this is church hurts and so we got to get what does church have to do with some of this right and you had an interesting spiritual background which we don't have time on this show and we're probably going to have you back and we're going to get into that um but um, even before we do, let me just say this. Let me take a break for a minute and just um, acknowledge as we come to the end of the year that um, Standing Stone is an organization that I work with and help people in the ministry throughout the, the country. And um, we'd love to hear from you. And if you would just go uh, to churchhurstand.org and uh just drop us a note at the end of the year. Even tell us if you would like to hear um, or someone you suggest that we have as a guest on this show. And if you would consider um, supporting what we do, uh, it makes a big difference uh, at the end of this year, that's for sure. But having said that, Dave, um, back to how you have Kathy, and she really doesn't want to go to church. And, and you're, you're kind of a church guy. I mean, you're one who's like, you've had a rich history and there was a time that you were about done with a church, but Kathy wasn't real warm on the idea. Tell me about what happened with that. Well, I think that, you know, I matched her personality as my kids said, but as they got to know Kathy, she was just niceness. And uh, she had seen a lot of hypocrisy as most, uh, especially those who pretty good, morally good people uh, see a bunch of uh, problematic people in the church. Um, but uh, 
I had heard of this uh, church that was over in a park and um, we popped in. And of course, our, what, I, what I was looking for in a church was more of a, uh, you know, give me bread and wine. Um, that's what I needed. And Kathy needed somebody that uh, would give her some, a good word that she'd be able to use throughout the week and make some notes and uh, came across Sand Canyon Community Church, um, heard the, uh, the minister who um, uh, didn't really seem like a minister, but uh, um, we met and uh, shared a cup of beverages and he uh, turned about just to be an amazing guy. I could tell that he was very reformed. Kathy didn't have the language to understand that that's the way he was preaching because Unlike some Reformed guys, he wasn't stuck in everything. Uh, he made it very, very practical. And lo and behold, his name was John Bash. And I guess you were. Were you doctor about John Bash at that time? Um, actually, I was. I just finished my doctorate. I took forever to get it. Um, and I'm one of those doctors that's getting made fun of on TV these days. Uh -huh. You know, I didn't have a stethoscope. Um, so so I'll, I'll, I'm jumping all around here on purpose. So in my life, let me just tell the story of, so I kind of got to, I just liked you and I liked Kathy and I just kind of thought you were cool, but you guys only came to church once or twice a month, maybe, but somehow I thought you were cool. I was disillusioned at the time, um, obviously, but in any case, and then years later, um, my son got in an accident and I got this note from you as my son lay in a hospital, unable to move, I got a note from you saying, I think you want to call me. So I thought, well, that's weird. Cause at the time I wouldn't talk to anybody if they hadn't lost a child or if they weren't paralyzed, they, they couldn't understand what I was going through. And anyway, I called you and you told me the story basically saying, you don't know what happened after you knew me. I didn't know anything of what you've told so far, but it came to that place where you literally a week after you're in the hospital, the family's standing around your bed had flown in from around the country saying he wouldn't want to live this way. Should we pull the plugger? Tell me that story again. It just is really nightmarish. Go ahead. Yeah, apparently the, the doctors were very, very clear that uh, um, if I were to live, that I would not be able to speak, I'd be on a respirator for the rest of my life, um, that I would not be able to move, and uh, I'd probably be taking in things, seeing things, hearing things, but unable to live my life. And uh, my kids, my best friends, uh, um, uh, my ex-wife was even there, everybody's thinking, and I, from what I understand, they kind of had a vote in which I hold against folks as to whether or not they were going to let me go or pull the plug. Um, and I probably would have leaned it toward pulling the plug, but they were at the end of that conversation. And Kathy, my wife, looked down at me and said, uh, and saw me blinking. And she said, wait, 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 David, are you? trying to communicate with me. And I blinked, I did. And uh, she said, okay, blink once for yes. And I did blink no twice for no. And I blinked twice. 
So she grabbed a piece of paper, wrote down the alphabet, uh, and then began spelling out words while holding it up and going A, B, C, and I would blink, and then she'd write the letter down. So the so big question is, do you want to die? Yeah. And uh, I, yeah, and I was basically like, no, you know, I want to be with you guys. I want to be, I want to get through this. Um, and so that became our way of communicating until, you know, weeks later, I was able to speak somewhat. I mean, and here you're telling me this story, talking as you are now, and I don't know anything about it. So really, what was your condition? What did, what, how did you end up? Do you yeah, have a name for you now? Well, I had sustained a spinal cord injury at the C4 level, uh, broken a number of bones in my body and shattered my sacrum. Um, so that was all going to be wired back together. Um, and another injury down at the S level uh, of my spinal cord. And of course, uh, learning all about spinal cord injury, that's, as you know, it was something none of us really knew anything about other than what we knew, say, about Christopher Reeve. Um, so uh, it was a big black hole, but that's where I was at. So basically that means a C4 means that you even had trouble with some breathing. They had a tube yes. down your throat. You were on um, a ventil is ventilator. I always uh, for, confuse ventilator and respirator, yeah, but me too. Line, somebody else was, you know, machines breathing for me for three months, right? three months. Yes. Yeah. Three months. And, um, you really had to learn to talk again, right? Yeah. And yet now, so it basically a C4 means that you really don't have any feeling in your hands. You're, we're obviously seeing you move your head, but you only have limited movement of your head. Yeah. And, um, and you have a full life, don't you? I have quite a full life, yeah. In fact, I don't know if you know, I just got engaged. It's official. Yeah. Yeah. You know, women fall in love. Even with your personality, there you that is so cool. Congratulations. It's Thank been a you. long time, David. Yeah. It's been a long time. Um, and what a special woman it must be. Um, you know, so you're and she takes, uh, she really helps out in, in taking care of things you can't do, right? When you don't have a body that functions, right. Right? right? But you can actually, even as a quadriplegic, a C4, you can stand up. Um, tell me about your daughter's wedding. Well, um, I, uh, at five, at my five year mark of being paralyzed, um, I made it a goal that I was going to walk my daughter down the aisle someday. So I began working with a trainer who looked outside the box a little bit further than the typical physical therapist. And we began busting our rears to get me strong enough to walk with a walker. And I began to do that. I'm certainly, I certainly don't walk around the house all the time, nor would I step outside uh, without attendance. But um, no, my daughter got married this summer uh, in July and uh, back in Texas, and I was able to walk her down the aisle um, with my walker. And uh, at the reception, even though it was a COVIDian uh, reception, um, we were able to dance, and I even twirled her a couple times. So um, by pushing myself, uh, some of these muscles have come back. 
Um, and, uh, you know, I'm not going to be too stepping, but it was enough uh, to make both of our hearts merry. And, you know, we should say, since we mentioned that I'm engaged, we should get into the final bits of what happened between Kathy and I. Do talk to me. Well, uh, after getting out of the hospital, I think that, you know, leiomyosarcoma is a terrible type of cancer. Mm-hmm. And folks don't live very long at all. And uh, but she got me out while I was in, in the hospital. She had to sell the house here in the midst of her own uh, sickness because it was a two-story house there in Irvine and try to find a one-story house for us to be in. And so I came out and uh, found myself in a new home. Um, she began then trying to convalesce me back to normalcy at the same time, dwindling down more and more herself until about a year and a half um, after I got out, uh, she succumbed to uh, to passing on to meeting her own death uh, um, from cancer. Wow. So you're paralyzed. She spends the end of her life mm-hmm. helping you learn to live in this new body. Right. And um, I want to ask you one more question, but before we do, um, now nah, let me just ask you, Dave, what, what does God have to do with this? Well, you know, I, at the moment I was hit, um, in the midst of it all, I began praying the Jesus prayer, uh, Lord Jesus. Now I can't even remember it, but Jesus Christ, son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. And just repeating that calmly to myself to keep my wits about me. Um, the presence of God, the presence of Christ really was surrounded, surrounded me that entire time. Um, and, you know, I'm a sinner big time, but uh, I don't know how else I could be at the place that I am um, and have learned the sense of gratitude that I have without a relationship with, with the Almighty through Christ. Well, we'd be remiss um, to end this program without me saying, after the phone call with you, Dave, I don't know, what was it, every day for a year? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if I'd even be alive if it wasn't for you. Um, I've never told the real full story here, but when my son was paralyzed, I just, I, I couldn't do anything. It was just, wow. Um, and you, you held my hand. Um, you know, even literally, um, we had some good experiences because you explained everything to me, but I needed to hear it mm-hmm. every day. So let me just say this in closing. Um, Dave Stevens has a story, doesn't he? I mean, I hope you'll get this in podcast form and pass it on to someone who may need to hear it. Dave encourages people all the time. He helps us realize that we need to appreciate things that we take for granted. Ever thank God for feet that work, hands that feel, ab muscles to help you cough, sweat that allows your body to regulate its heat? Hmm, Now you might. One day, Dave was discussing his traumatic life experience with a friend who was really trying to put himself in Dave's shoes and understand as I kind of am doing again. And every time I hear it, when he was done, the man said, I'd rather die 
than be in your condition. Now that's awkward and honest and interesting. I feel bad for that man. I think he missed the point that was coming at him like a missile with a band leading the way. What makes you, you? Does it have anything to do with things Dave doesn't have or can't do? If it does, you need to think again. If you want to know Dave's secret, I'll tell you. Dave has a living God who had plans for Dave, which were hard to accept, and it took some time. But he discovered that a lot was left in life to enjoy when he didn't have the other stuff. And Dave has a guy who had a son with a birthday. And Dave's going to celebrate that this next week with some special friends, some beautiful prayers, a fiance we now know, some great music, and delectable food. Don't let your nightmares win it all. Don't let your doubts about God and the church keep you down. There's just too much to live for because you don't know about tomorrow, but you do know the one who holds tomorrow in his hands. For Church Hurts and this is John Bash. It's worth a thought. Merry Christmas. Well, that was worth a thought for sure. And brings us to the end of this edition of Church Hurts and. Next week, it's rumored we'll be walking on the edge of controversy, stirring the pot of denial, and finding movement of the divine. Our host, Dr. John Bash, is the shepherd with Standing Stone, a nonprofit ministry committed to caring for pastors and Christian leaders at risk of leaving the ministry prematurely. Come visit us at churchhurtsand.org. Tell us your story while you're there. Until then, remember, Church Hurts isn't the end of the story. Now go into the end. Enjoy God today, won't you?